0: Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening today on the podcast on the radio, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk. Here we go. Hello, sir. Great to see you again. Yeah, we're about to, you know, what, Lent starts next week. You're right. Yeah, the big season. Of course, we have, you know, we talked last week on the show, but we got Mardi Gras coming up, festival season, the whole, but Lent is here, Ash Wednesday, and then here we go. Buckle
1: up. Here we go. Hope, Hope you're ready. You do? All of you. I yeah. hope you're
0: all ready. Well, I think a good thing to do in in sort of our, our mind is to is to start to think now about Lent, not hey, Lent just shows up, you wake up, and that's happened to me before. It's like wake up, it's Ash Wednesday, it's Lent, and you're like, Okay, like what like what's gonna be my spiritual you know, focus mm-hmm. this Lent and I'm and I'm and I feel like I'm already behind right the A-ball. Yeah. You know, so you begin to think about it now. Like, what does – like, evaluate your life, your heart, your your mind, where you're at. And say, you know, what, what do I need to work on or where do I need to grow in my life? What, what does God want to do in my life? And Lent is a great time to use to spiritually focus, I would say.
1: Yeah, so this weekend, put it on your calendar in the midst of your parade going that you and your spouse or your parents or whatever applies – Y'all got to get your lint plan together this weekend. Get it done.
0: Do you guys go to parades? Not usually, but this year we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot. Um, don't y'all live like close to parade route in St. Martinville, like a little small town where you're at, or they don't? I think that used to be the parade route, but they don't do the parade anymore. Okay, gotcha.
1: Because I don't know if you know this, Paul, but sometimes parades can get out of hand.
0: What well, every year someone dies, right. which is un- extremely unfortunate. Yeah. Because you go on a parade to be happy and then like someone dies. You're like, but that wasn't supposed to happen. Right. You know, I mean, I guess if you mix moving vehicles with lots of people and a lot of alcohol, yeah, things could go wrong. Yes. Not everyone is at the parade for the right reasons. That's right. Or for different reasons, you could
1: say. Well, once you start drinking a lot, you might have new reasons that you didn't come with.
0: (laughs) That's very true. It does change your perspective
1: yeah but uh no this year um we're gonna give it a shot on tuesday itself there's a kind of a safer environment we can be a part of with the little ones and the little kids you know it's um it's something to juggle little kids at mass let alone a parade yeah that's a lot you know um but we we'll we'll do it yes i'll let you know
0: how it goes (laughs) yeah good i mean this is gonna shock you uh maybe but i don't i don't really enjoy parades I think you and I are are aligned there. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and what do has you not nothing, enjoy about it? It has nothing to do with any morality or immorality or anything like mm-hmm. that. Is like sort of a non factor. I don't even think about that. This is probably all personality
1: mm-hmm.
0: of like just why would I want to go fight crowds, stand, you know, whatever. It be- just begs, for beads. Beg yeah. for beads. Like it. Like for me, like there's, I think there's certain personalities and people that just love that. And, and that's cool. I have nothing against it, but for me, I guess, you know, I'm just kind of a, an old fogey soul. <laughs> I don't know. I'm more of an introvert probably. Yeah. You know, like if I could choose not to be in a crowd all day, I would choose not to just cause like what?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I usually have like a 15 minute comfort window at a parade. Like I'm there for 15 minutes. I've done the parade thing. I've caught something. I've talked to my friends. And then you're done. I'm pretty much ready to go now. It's kind of like that with shopping with me. If I'm in a store for more than 15 minutes, my stomach starts to literally hurt. <laughs> it's like a timer. Right.
0: It's like, I need to get out of this place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm out. See you later. Yeah, that, that's pretty much the case. So anyway, welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for listening in on the podcast or on the radio show. Uh, we got a great show today. Uh, we're going to kind of dig dig into some stuff. So buckle up. Before we get going, Adam, do you have a heavy scene?
1: What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh,
0: for real though?
1: So have you seen this? That in Italy, there was a, a bit of a controversy about a piece of art in a basilica there. Okay. Have you seen this? Yeah. Well, it was the Cathedral of Canossa or Canosa in Puglia, southern Italy. Right. Okay. So it wasn't the Vatican, but it was it was in Italy. Um, well, there's this new piece of artwork and it is beautiful. I'm I'm seeing a picture of it now, but they had to take it down. Okay. Because apparently, um, it was found that the face and the likeness of a local businessman and a priest were in, were in the image, like among the saints kind of thing. Hmm. And the people were not impressed. Like, once this was realized, like, oh, right. that's, that's Father So-and-so. Right. And that's the, you know, the guy who owns the bakery. Um, although, he, I don't know what businessman was in it. He, he was probably more than a baker.
0: So, is this like a trademark issue? Like, hey, you put my face on there I, and you didn't ask permission? I think they just didn't are more like, like them. The locals were like, <laughs> wait, you put so-and-so in the picture. You kind of hit him in the picture and we're not impressed. Correct.
1: And so the people just demanded that it be taken out. Hmm. Um, Now, the artist claims that uh, it was just an interpretive choice. So he wasn't coerced. That's his claim. It wasn't like the businessman said, I'll give you, you know, a million dollars to Mm -hmm. put me in your painting. It was just his choice to try to show like, you know, modern day saints among us kind of thing. Okay. But um, they didn't buy it. So they took it down. They took it out of the, uh, the cathedral.
0: That is sort of preliminary. You know, I would say, like, if you're going to put someone's photo in a painting or name a building after someone, you know, or, or like something like that, like, I'm of the opinion, like, wait till that past person, in the sense, is, is gone or passes away. Like, I always find it really interesting when people name stuff after themselves and they're still walking through the building.
1: Yeah. Well, imagine you're on pilgrimage, uh, let's say, in Italy, and you're at this beautiful cathedral, and there's this beautiful... You know, new painting, whatever, and you're praying, and then you realize, wait, that's the guy who's saying mass. He's in that painting, right? Could be a distraction.
0: Yeah, and plus, I don't know. I like, <laughs> I would never want to, you know, while I'm alive, want to know that I'm in, you know, a painting or something. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't really get into that stuff. But you know, it is, it is interesting. Plus, you know, I don't know. Like even within the church, like there's sort of a risk of like putting someone in a painting. You know, before you know fully what they're about, you know, you, Mm -hmm. you kind of say, oh, this person's going to be a saint and you don't, whatever, like you, you kind of, you know, you just don't know. Right. Right. So
1: that's, what's going on in Italy right now. Yeah. In Southern Italy in Puglia.
0: You know what? Just because that painting is on the news, it's probably going to go up in value. That guy can probably sell that thing for a lot of money.
1: For real. You're right. Well, he, he said he would be willing to revise the painting to put it back, but maybe he should just do a different one. So, like, mm-hmm. keep this one, the controversial one, and sell it to this businessman. Yeah. And then uh, paint another one without him.
0: Yeah. You know what's interesting about that? And this is going to kind of allow us to catapult into sort of a theme that we're going to talk about today is, you know, people, wh- no matter who it is, you, I, everyone, we look at others with certain expectations, right? And it, but if someone is, like, a leader in the community, whether they're a priest or a businessman, you know, the reality is this, is when you're in leadership, you're held to a higher standard, you know. And when I talk about leader, being a leader, like, we're, we're all, in a sense, in leadership. Like, you, you lead your family. You're, you, if you're a parent, you know, a mom or a dad, or whether you run a business or you work, there's someone you're leading. You lead by example. And You know, as a Christian, you're called to be a leader. You're supposed to, you know, or should, you know, lead by the way you live your life. So, you know, in a sense, like it, as you talk about leadership, and Jesus mentions in the Gospels, you know, too much is given, much more is expected, right? So the reality is that there is sort of a burden of this leadership. You know, when I was a young adult, unmarried, I had a lot less responsibilities in, in the way I lived my life, good or bad, right? Uh, and I had less relying on me. people relying on me or even looking at me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, maybe a few people, oh, look what Paul's doing or, you know, he did that right or wrong or we like him or we don't like him. Well, when I got married, more people were looking at my marriage, you know, look at that, look at Paul and Gretchen and whatever. And when I'm a parent and then, you know, I'm leading my kids, there's becomes more and more responsibility. And then, you know, when I grow in my work or whatever it is, as we grow, there becomes more responsibility in our leadership, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to me that these folks, just regular folks, are looking at people they know in the community in the picture and they're like, we're taking it down. <laughs> right? Because we, we look at people and we do have certain expectations, maybe sometimes unrealistic, but I think most times fairly realistic of the way that they should carry themselves mm-hmm. and lead mm-hmm. and be a part of you know, whatever, you know, the community. And which brings me to you know the point of this is that i think when we lead in our leadership wherever we are in our life and whatever state out of our wounds it becomes really dangerous when we lead out of healing and this place of really doing that self work then there becomes really liberating for for us and the people around us and what i have found And I'm just going to lay this out there because Jesus speaks about it a little bit in the Gospels this Sunday, is that when we lead out of our brokenness, it causes a lot of tension and wake behind us. And I have seen a lot, particularly in the church, of people who lead, particularly of people who leave the church, particularly in businesses, particularly people who are like, ah is that there's a lot of leading out of brokenness and woundedness and father and mother and family issues. And people lead out of that, causing a lot of chaos in their leadership. And I've had a couple of conversations recently of that, of people who were leading out of that mess and not doing the work to kind of heal through it. And people who are leaving the church because of that mess, not because of the other person, but because they in a sense, um, uh, you know, their, their, their own woundedness reflects sort of the, the, into the, like the leadership and it just, you know, it, it becomes a place where they can't, you know, they, they just kind of leave.
1: Yeah. Well, I,
0: as you're speaking about
1: that, I had this image, if you forgive a music analogy, mm-hmm. all right like in an orchestra let's say there's a lot of different instruments a lot of different roles like they're all and they all need to be working together in the same literally time and purpose and and we love a symphony or an orchestra that sounds great but if one instrument is off and wounded or broken then either the whole thing sounds terrible all right so we don't appreciate it and that makes us want to leave. Mm-hmm. So we just say this whole this this is har- awful, right? Or we begin to you can make it sound better if the other instruments start to like follow the broken one to try to make do the best you can. Otherwise, let's just do the best we can with what we got. But now we're all following the broken instrument, right, instead of the conductor, instead of the ideal, we're now all just doing the best we can to make as pleasing music as possible with broken instruments. I mean, far better to try to find healing in Christ, right? Like, to, to heal the brokenness. Not that we're ever going to be perfect or ever have our stuff together, ever. But, but like you said, to lead from healing is that we're all seeking to become more and more healed. And you can follow a leader into that to where, like, he, if someone's going to follow me, I'm not healing them. Jesus is healing them. Right but I can lead people to Jesus and I can lead an organization or a group or a family. Like I don't have the answers for my family. I I, I can't heal them. Right? Like the wounds they have, some of them are from me, but even those I can't heal. Their wounds are much more complicated than what I can heal, but I know who can heal them and I can bring them to the Lord and, and constantly do that. And so, yeah, this leading from brokenness, I just had that image of like that instrument that sounds terrible Mm -hmm. where either makes people want to leave the group Or do the best you can around this dysfunction. This toxic thing can just determine everything. And I know we've all been there where like one person who's not even in charge, who's just part of the orchestra, but somehow we are all revolving around this person Mm -hmm. to do the best we can. That's not healthy
0: either. No, absolutely not. You know, and, you know, we're going to get more into this uh, with the gospel, but, you know, we're not talking about being broken. Like we're all broken. Like Mm -hmm. we're all imperfect, you know. In a sense is we're talking about like not staying there, like mm-hmm. this continual like journey of healing. So that we're leading out of that place of healing and growth instead of this victimhood and this woundedhood, You know, so it'd be like you're you're more way more of a musician than I am. I, I've been around a lot of musicians, so I learned by osmosis, but I don't play is when you're playing and you break a string on your guitar, you might finish the song because you're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. But you're you're going to say I need to replace this the string, you know. So maybe to get through the set you might switch to the piano or you might just start talking to the crowd while you replace the string. Or whatever the case may be, but the reality is you're never going to keep playing the guitar with a bunch of broken strings, right? Right. You're you're going to take time to replace it and retune it and get it to the place where it sounds good. And you, so as you use the or the analogy of the orchestra, all of us in our lives get broken strings, whether it be from our family of origin our growing up from, from, you know, choices or things that have happened in our life. Strings pop, they break. Mm -hmm. And what happens a lot of times is most people just continue playing on a, on an untuned guitar with broken strings. And it just sounds horrible. Yeah. Uh, It's making music and we're getting by in life. And there are a lot of people who are leading as a parent, as a husband, as a father, as a mom. Uh, as a wife, uh, as a business leader, as a, as a pastor, as a, you know, whatever. And they're, they're playing music and it's, and it's on broken strings. And uh, honestly, and what ends up happening is that the rest of the crowd follows that sort of tune, Mm -hmm. right? Like they tune into the broken tune and and then it's just kind of like this, this dysfunction of music that's happening. Instead of saying, you know what, I am broken, but I'm on a journey of healing. And when we do that, like we lead out of this place of authenticity of saying, you know what, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to allow God to continue to move me forward and heal me. And I'm not going to lead out of my family of origin wounds, my father wound, my, my alcoholic wound, my, my sinful past. I'm not going to lead out of this victimhood and, and just leave awake in everyone's soul because Mm of my own dysfunction right and then the person who who's looking to us who's not working on their own healing journey is like well i hate you and and they project their own lack of healing onto you Mm -hmm. right and it becomes this real dysfunctional family Mm -hmm. right and this is what happens when we don't commit to a journey of healing in our life of of those things as we lead out of the place that we are no matter what. Yeah. You know, so really I I think this line is diving into like, where are you and what are the areas and places of your life that God wants to begin to, to, to touch you and heal you and, and make you new, like a, like a new conversion of your heart and soul in an area or areas of your life that you find yourself living with broken string in a sense. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Let's heal that string. Replace it. Replace that string. Give me a new
0: string, Jesus. Yeah, because you can't, you can't, when a string pops, you can't, like, fix it. Like, you got to replace it. That's true. That's true. So, I'm not a musician, but I know that much. You nailed all of
1: it, man. I was very impressed. Thank you. Because that's exactly what I would do in that situation. Right. And you nailed it.
0: Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. Hey,
1: hey, hey. I changed the guitar string. You did? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Ready to roll. Ready to roll. You know, I mean, you brought up the whole analogy, and you just kind of got me going, you know, with it, and... You know, so for someone who's not a musician like myself, when you watch someone or you know, musicians play an art, like there's a part of you that's like, I wish I could do that. It's mm-hmm. sort of this this real like admiration for the art, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like when you see a beautiful painting, like you were talking earlier, you know, when I see a beautiful painting, I'm like, man, that's amazing. I wish I could do that. And not in a sense of like envy, like I wish I was mm-hmm. that person, but like real appreciation of the art. And I don't know if I have an art. I have no idea. But I mean I'm, you're you're pretty tall. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That's an art. People can admire that. Yeah. Hey, can you grab that on the top shelf? Wow.
1: You you have no idea how short people look to you and they're like, I wish I could be that tall.
0: That was art. Mm-hmm. You know, I do have an art form when I grab like something on the top shelf. And I, there isn't probably not a time I go to the grocery store where I don't grab something <laughs> for someone. You know? And it and it's mostly, you know, for like, you know, an older lady or a lady because they're probably less like, you know, like, you know, prideful about asking for someone's help. But right, it's rare that a short man.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: Will come up to me. Excuse hey. me, sir. Hey, buddy. Hey, bro. Can
1: you grab that for
0: me? I uh, know I'm short. <laughs> Can you grab that for me? But Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't ever think, because I'm taller, I don't ever look at someone, I just don't, and think, oh, they're short. Mm -hmm. Like, it just doesn't cross my mind, because I just just think that everybody's just amazing, you know, like, in a sense, like, God really created. And as we're talking, you know, on our topic today, is exactly that. Like, God created us all uniquely, irreplaceable. Right In his image and likeness. And God created us to be whole and holy. And yet through sin and through the enemy, we've, we've become wounded. right? Mm. And we all have our own faults and failings and brokenness. Some more than others because of our past, our own mistakes, or um, things that have been done to us or our experiences. But none of us are, are perfect. And I, I have found in my own life, if, if I can simply commit to the healing journey, have much more peace moving forward. And I have found that I'm much more willing to follow someone else, else's mm. lead who is on that journey than the opposite of someone who's going to continue to lead out of their just their funk and their dysfunction and not commit to the journey. Right. And Jesus mentions along this is, is we you know this is the first Sun, the, the last Sunday gospel before we begin Lent mm-hmm. right and so this is the gospel that's chosen in Luke and then you know we begin you know Lent, Ash, Wednesday we repent of all our sins we get ashes yada yada we know the story and then we jump into the desert right like we go into this this real fast and focus spiritually of like, God renew our hearts. But like, if we're just going to go to Lent like giving up chocolate and just say like, Hey, by the end, I'm going to eat chocolate again. Like what? Like, like, does the spiritual life even matter? Right? Like, is your journey to heaven like, like authentic? Or are you just like kind of going through life? And like, Jesus wants us healed at the end of Lent. He wants us like more peaceful and joyful and, and, you know, like, we're all on that journey, and so we begin with this gospel this Sunday that kind of is the last gospel before we begin, you know, the, the week of that Lent starts, right? And Jesus says in the gospel of Luke chapter 6, verse 39 through 45, so if you go back and, and uh, read it, Jesus told his disciples a parable, so he's giving, an, you know, a teaching to his disciples. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit. No disciple is superior to his teacher, but when fully trained, hello, every disciple will be like his teacher. Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own? I mean, he's coming at him. (laughs) Right? Right? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the splinter in your eye. When you do not even notice the wooden beam in your own eye, you hypocrite, remove the wooden beam from your eye first, then you will see clearly to remove the splinter in your brother's eye. I mean, could it, could it not be more (laughs) self-explainable? Yeah, it's pretty strong. Do you need any interpretation of that? Like, there's no Greek or Hebrew to confuse you there. There's no, like, (laughs) Latin you need to get into. There's no, like, oh, Jesus didn't really mean what he said. And I think the reality is, like, when Jesus speaks, he means what he says. And, you know, there's two things that we can do. We can change what Jesus says to make make us feel better about it. Or we can respond to what Jesus says. And that's what Lent's about, is responding to what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't mince words here.
1: And I guess what, what puts what finger he puts on me in hearing this gospel and, and hearing what he says and what he means is that at the end of the day there's there's an element of choice to stay blind or not. Because, you know, before the Lord came, before Jesus, there's a lot of blind people that there's nothing you could do about it, right? Like original sin and separation from God was, some, was a problem that needed to be solved. And the Lord Jesus is that solution. He reconciles us with the Father, and he restores our sight. But now that the Lord has come, and especially those of us who have been washed in that font, you know, who have been given eternal life through baptism, those of us who partake of the Eucharist and eat his flesh and drink his blood, those who are confirmed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and are sealed with the Lord himself, the giver of life, What are we missing if we're still blind? It's us, right? Like, and and I guess we have a tendency to blame everybody else, you know, to blame our parents, blame our our boss, blame our um, spouse, blame our kids even, you know, like for our blindness. But we have literally everything we need to not be blind because we have Jesus. And we've been brought through the sacraments the sacrament of reconciliation and the healing that comes from that, we have Jesus. And so his words to his disciples, which are us, are pointing to this fact that if we're still blind, it's on us. Right. (laughs) You know?
0: Yeah. Like, don't stay blind. Yeah. And, you know, don't worry about the other person's splinter in their eye, yours. You know, so the reality is like, we were talking about the broken string. Like what is it the broken string I need in my life? Not yours. Mm -hmm. Mine. What is the splinter in my eye? What are the things that keep me from really seeing clearly? You know, we know that Jesus heals the blind. Like he heals Bartimaeus. There are a couple of amazing miracles of Jesus healing blind people. And now he's speaking of this, this idea of the splinter being in our eye but he's also saying it's in other people's eyes too. So we have compassion for someone else who's dealing with that. But we also have our own, right? And and Lent is moving us to the reality of dealing with the the, the places in our life that keep us from seeing clearly, right? And we all know what they are. And if you don't sit down and think about them, in what ways in your life do do you lead out of your wound or brokenness or unhealed realities or whatever in your parent, as a parent Mm. in what ways does it come out in your marriage? You know, I would say hands down, like the, the, the majority of marriages that struggle or end in divorce or unfaithful is not because we're fighting over finances or what to eat or where to go on vacation or that we can't learn how to communicate. We don't even really love each other. It, it's because one or both people haven't dealt with their, their trunk of junk. Mm-hmm. And it just continues to be a barrier of unity between the couple, right? It doesn't define you for the rest of your life, but if it's undealt with, it will drastically affect your marriage, right? And the same is mm-hmm. the way you lead in your work or lead as a dad or a mom or as a friend. It, it will eventually affect the closest relationships around you if you don't deal with it. And so, you know, I have to constantly evaluate, like, is this really affecting me because uh, there's something undealt un- with in my life, right, that I need to, like, really look at? There's no shame in that because Jesus really wants to come, like, he, he, to, to heal Mm -hmm. to save and to cure me of my blindness. This is the compassion and love that Jesus brings. This is the sacrament that he gives us, right? The sacrament of healing and reconciliation that he wants us all to see and see clearly. Well, that's touching on just an important
1: lesson that takes a long time as a disciple to really get is that, you know, Jesus doesn't need me to take his place in people's life. And that's not what we are as disciples. Like we're not... Um, an alternative to Jesus. Jesus wants to be fully active in everyone's life. And he wants to take all the splinters out of everyone's eyes. That's his job. That's his project. That's why he came. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he rose from the grave. That's why he's coming again, is that in the end, every eye is splinter-free in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's his project. I will have a role to play in that project as he asks. But like you're saying... What's the thing keeping me from playing that role effectively? The beam in my eye, right? And so if my attention is on me growing as a disciple to be more like the master, and that's where I'm at, and I'm not so much thinking and focusing and paying attention to how everyone else is failing to be a disciple, how everyone else is failing to follow the master, then I can be an effective instrument to actually help Jesus take the splinter out. But I am not going to take anyone's splinters out because I am just like them. In fact, I probably have more splinters than they do. I have beams in my eye, right? And so I think the Lord is inviting all of us as we go into Lent with positions of influence, like parents, friends, um, coworkers, pastors, whoever we are, like to influence people's Lent. You know, Lent is about you getting healed of your beam. And if you are healed of your beam then you will cooperate just by that disposition with the master. He will, he will use you to remove splinters from people's eyes without you even thinking about it or worried about it. But how many times do we get into this habit of the thing we want to talk about, think about, obsess about is other people's lack of discipleship, other people's lack of following Jesus. And that's where we think that we are a replacement for Jesus. Like we're, we're the ones
0: with the project, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, you've heard of the saying, uh, if you spot it, you got it. So, you I know, haven't heard that. That's yeah. a good saying. It's yeah. a good cause sort of one You liner. came up with that? No, I've heard it. Wow. But if you spot it, you got it in a sense of like, you know, and Jesus talks about this. If you, if you notice the beam or splinter in someone else's eye, you spot it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good. And, and, and if I see that in your life, right. And, and as a friend and be like, I want to encourage you. Like you might want to look at that. Right. And like, kind of go to the Lord with that. And that's, that's a good conversation. That should be normal for our friendship. And we do have that. We do have those conversations off air for both of us. We we want each other to grow. But if I spot it also might got it, right? Like mm-hmm. I kind of, oh, okay, let me look like there, there's something in Adam that maybe is like uh, something I need to deal with. Right. And sort of there, there's this tension of like maybe in, we're following someone who's unhealed and like leading out of their, their brokenness and, and their lack of you know, committing to the healing journey and yet we might be there too. And so we spot it and got it and it's bringing something up in us that just wells up and it makes us frustrated and angry and like tense. And, you know, a lot of times it, you know, we spot it, we got it. It's it's God's way of saying, Hey, maybe that's a broken string that, uh, I want to replace in your life so that, 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 you know, we can, we can be playing with six strings instead of five. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's wh- how it sounds better.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, that's that's what St. Augustine teaches. He's, he says, the things that will agitate you about your brother are the things you do as well. So basically, like, if you feel resentment agitation, it's going to be in you in some way. And I've always found that to be true. Yeah. Because there are people that will do things to me that are hurtful and spiteful and whatever, and I'm not agitated. I'm like, I forgive them. It's no big deal. Then there are times where somebody does something to me that's not even mean, not even a sin, but like it irritates me and mm-hmm. it makes me mad. What's the difference? I do the same thing, <laughs> right? Like I'm, that's me. And so it's, it's um, it's I found it to be very true that, that that bitter resentment or anger or irritation with other people, if I can turn it inwards and say, do I do this? Nine, not, 9.9% of the time, of the time, I do the same thing. And what the Lord is asking me to do is grow in that way. Right. And so it's not even about that person not doing that anymore. It's about me not doing that anymore.
0: So you ask the question, and maybe you're thinking, if you're listening on the podcast or the radio, is, okay, what, what do I do? Like, what's the next step? You know, well, Jesus tells us sort of that. He says, can a blind person lead a blind person? So if you want to be on the healing journey, then you don't need to be around blind people. Mm -hmm. who aren't on that journey, you know what I'm saying? Like of the blind can't lead the blind. And we see this all the time, even within the church. Like we would be honest, you know, it's, there's quote unquote, a blind leadership leading a blind flock, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it's just like going nowhere. Mm -hmm. Right. And the reality is if I want to see more clearly, I need to surround myself with people who are trying to see more clearly as well, who are not afraid to like, look at me and say, Hey, you might want to look at that. But at the same time, they're not judging me or like shaming me because they're on their own journey and, and we're in it together. And I think in marriage it works out best when when two people are fighting hard for unity and they're and they're dealing with anything that blocks that unity, right? Any unhealed, mm-hmm. you know, brokenness. And and they're helping each other to get there in 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 authentic love and unconditional love. We need that in our in our circles of friendships, right? And so if we surround ourselves either with blind people or, or or people who are just not on that journey, like that's just what we're going to be. We're going to continue to be blind. We're going to continue to have these huge logs in our eyes and we're not going to be able to see real clearly. And that's not what the Lord wants. I mean, that's what he's telling the disciples, like you guys can't lead each other if you're not working on seeing clearly. The blind can't lead the blind. Do y'all get it? And they're all shaking their heads and I'm sure they're like, "Oh, yes. Okay. This is the journey we're on. We're mm-hmm. on the journey of healing, of seeing clearly." Right? And we see this progress with Peter, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and the other disciples. And you know, that's that's the journey they're on. And and here's the reality. It, it, the gospel goes on to say it says a, a good tree does not bear rotten fruit. Very simple nor does a rotten tree bear good fruit for every tree is known by its fruit for people do not pick figs from thorn bushes, nor do they gather grapes from rambles a good person out of the store of goodness in his heart produces good, but an evil person out of the store of evil produces evil from, from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you go back to the painting in Italy, right? By the person bears the fruit. Uh, They're probably looking at the people in the painting and I don't know the people. And they're probably saying, that's a rotten tree. <laughs> They're, and maybe not judge it, like take it down. Right. Those aren't the type of people we want to follow. I don't know. <laughs> a good tree does not bear rotten fruit. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to bear good fruit.
1: Well, and I mean, this, this is the evangelization workshop that the Lord gives, you know, and for those of us involved in like helping people evangelize or learn how to, you know, you mm-hmm. know, it can get very complicated. Mm -hmm. We can have all kind of methods and, you know. But at the end of the day, a holy person will evangelize because that's the fruit of holiness, Hmm. right? So the Lord in his... I love how you reminded us several times. This is Jesus talking to disciples. And a lot of times, I don't know why we do this, but we think the scriptures are for, like, the world. Most of it's for the disciples. Yeah, All the New Testament are letters to disciples, right? So it's not even like... Hey world, this is Jesus. It's remind. It's for disciples to continue to grow as disciples. That's mm-hmm. the purpose of the scriptures, even the gospels, right? And so this this lesson is for disciples that Jesus is teaching, and basically, if we can see clearly, we'll lead people to Jesus. If we have, if we're a tree that is healed, a tree that is whole, if we're holy, then our fruit will follow. And so, don't get obsessed with the fruit. Don't get obsessed with the splinters in people's eyes don't get us. be focused on your own healing and your own journey and then the fruit will follow absolutely and that's his that's how that's his evangelization workshop 101 I don't know if we'd all sign up for that though you know if that was the message day in
0: and day out I don't know if we'd sell out the Cajun Dome with like these workshops well and this is the problem I think that we're finding in our life and in the church is that we're not following the evangelization teaching of Jesus Mm. you know are we as a church, as a people, as leaders, as as a family, like are we the blind leading the blind? Are we dealing with our blindness and our brokenness? Like, are we honest about this, and and like Jesus is speaking directly to to us, right? Mm-hmm. And so, as I'm, you know, looking at my own life, like just FYI to everyone listening, like I have got personally to commit to this journey in my life. And so when I evaluate myself in my life, there's two things I'm looking at. And this, this passage reminds me of that. I'm going to look at the fruit. Where do I see fruit in my life? Because that might be a place, an area of my life where I have deep roots, that, that there's, there's, there's good nourishment. Mm-hmm. But where do I not see fruit in my life? And the places that I don't see fruit in my life, I'm probably pretty much guaranteed that there's a broken string there. Mm -hmm. That there's something that's blocking the nourishment to get to the roots to sink deep. And if I can commit to that journey, then I know that down the road, like, you know, that'll get better, you know, because that's the guarantee that Jesus gives to us is that he'll journey with us. He'll heal us. But like we we have to participate in that. So he doesn't tell them, like, look, open your eyes, guys. I'm going to grab the log out of your eye right now. (laughs) <laughs> right he's he's telling them like they this is something they need to commit to as disciples right they have to enter into this this journey with Jesus in doing this
1: and to disciple others means that we share the same message with them that Jesus just shared with them right like we and maybe one of the issues with the church today is that we assume holiness so much right like we assume yeah we got the holiness part let's move on to the method right we got the holiness down. Let's talk about how we're going to evangelize. Like, what, what's our door-to-door program? What's our, how are we going to get people in our parishes and at our events? Yeah, we're all holy. We got that part down. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to the to the fruit part, like how to harvest the fruit. Yeah. But, you know, those that make a splash in the church, that move needle, in other words, canonized saints they do that by committing wholeheartedly to the holiness part. Yeah, And we cannot just assume that we're all saints like them. I don't think any of us think we are. But let that sink in for a sec. Like there's something in me that's not, if I I can't be canonized today, there's something in me that I'm refusing Jesus, Hmm. refusing to let him heal, refusing to let him reach down to those roots like you said. So every Lent we have this opportunity to be real with ourselves and say, I'm the problem, right? Like I'm in the way. And so Jesus get me out of the way, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever is different about me and the saints that you've raised up in the church to become these heroes, whatever's the difference between me and them help me identify it and get rid of it.
0: Yeah. You know where I found the most fruit as a parent and, and as a, as a husband and, and my vocation is the times where I'm like, I, you know, I say something that we should do or like parent and say, Hey, this, uh, and I say, you know, I'm not perfect at this. I'm still working in my own life on, on some of this. You guys, I, I see that, that there's buy-in, you know, for mm-hmm. my kids and my wife, but in the times where I'm like, just do it this way because right. And I'm, and I'm, I'm leading out of the, just this, like just iron fist. And then I'm like, with my wife, I'm like, no, I'm not working on that. Cause I don't need to, man. It just gets chaotic. Right. And mm-hmm. there's a tailspin there. there. There's no movement. You know, wasn't the last time, like, you know, you heard a homily, you know, uh, from, you know, priests is like, you know, guys, let's, let's remove the splinter in our eyes. And here's how I'm doing it right now. Mm-hmm. And you would just be like floored. Like what? Yes. Because that authenticity is like, oh, we're in the journey together. And like, oftentimes we feel like when we're authentic, like it means that we're weak. But when I'm with my kids, I'm like, guys, like I'm still working on things. Like I find that th- there's greater buy-in, you know, and with my wife when I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, God's brought up something. And, and I know that I need to work on this. There's greater buy-in from her to help me than there is a, when I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm mm-hmm. not working on that. You, you go work on it, right? You're a splinter. Man, I, I just tell you, like when we're in this together and there's authenticity and transparency, when we admit our weaknesses, but we also claim that we're going to follow Jesus' healing and get better. I mean, I'm telling you, it's a whole different type of leadership that happens in our life. And, and it really begins to gain traction. And when those strings are replaced, you know, the sound gets better. The music gets more, you know, more harmony, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with the group. All right, let's take a break and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Healthshare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity Healthshare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity Healthshare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit solidarityhealthshare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening. Adam Conk, Paul George, famous Deacon. How's it going? (laughs) It's going good. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you have brown eyes. Very brown so I didn't know if there was if that was a log, some bark in there. Oh, you know, nice. Hey, you see what I did there? I got beams. I got
1: beams. I could name them for you if you want. I don't know if we have that kind of time. Beams
0: are kind of in
1: these days. That's true. Everybody wants beams in their houses. Everybody
0: wants beams in their houses. We used to
1: hide beams. We're like, no, let's uncover that beam.
0: Yeah. We used to you know, build around the beam. Now we're like, let's expose the beam. I mean, this should be an analogy for a life. <laughs> expose the beam. Let it out. <laughs> Then you can deal with it. Then you can deal with it. I mean, you can't deal with something that you can't see, you know, because you hide Mm -hmm. it. You know, Don't hide the beams. There's our our motto. Beam me up, Scotty. (laughs) Only you. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so I did get some feedback from the uh, King's Ransom Cake from last week. Did you really? Yeah. Is someone offering you money to make it? People want it. Okay. Yeah, so if you didn't hear that back to the podcast last week, it was... It was an epic idea. I think I'm going to get to it. I don't know when, but maybe you and I should have like a little cookout. Wouldn't that be fun? A,
1: like a Paul George show cookout. Just we fun. we make a King's Ransom. Anybody wants to come.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be in Lent. It, and it actually probably sounds should like be. like an Easter project. An Easter project. Yeah. Okay. How about a six pack of questions? Question.
1: Question number one. I mean, where to begin? We've, we've covered it. Uh, all right, question number one. So we we started the show talking about um, this painting in Italy where, I guess, not popular people were put in. They wanted them out, you know? Apparently. Um, if you could put...
0: Cancel culture. If you could,
1: right, they were canceled. If you could sneak a painting of you Dude. anywhere, let's mm. say not in the church, like right. s- more secular garments. Like on a bus,
0: like on the side of a bus or something. <laughs>
1: that, like, you would just love to have... A little image of you inserted into a painting or a mural somewhere. What would you do?
0: Like a like a hide Waldo type thing. Mm-hmm. Like on the side of a bus would be kind of funny, <laughs> you know. Um You know, it'd be me like I don't know, like a like a ski hat and goggles or something. <laughs> like you wouldn't recognize me. I don't know.
1: Little kids, there. I am. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. like the U.S. Capitol or something like that.
0: No. Okay. No. But a no bus. No. Yeah, because it's passing. You're like, wait, was that Paul's face? No, I don't know. Wait, what? <laughs> You know, I don't. I don't know. Kind of look like Paul. Kind of look like Paul, right there. (laughs) I actually have a question for you, question number two. What?
1: Yeah. Oh wow. I'm gonna
0: flip the tables. Oh my goodness. Apparently, okay, is a six string guitar, and there's also a twelve string guitar. Why? And is there a difference? And what? Like because it gets complicated to me. I'm like six seems okay, but twelve just seems super complicated.
1: I just got to say what's. I got to say what's crazy about this question. What's insane about this question. Okay. In all my life, playing music with my family, exactly one time did a kid ask me, what is a 12-string guitar? Mm-hmm. And that time was last night.
0: Well, there you go. Like, literally. literally. In
1: years and years. And here today, I asked you this question. And here question. we are. Because we saw someone playing it on TV. We were watching a music... hmm we have music Monday, so we play music and we watch people play music, like little videos or whatever. Anyway, and someone was playing a 12-string guitar. Okay. So here's the basic gist. Each string has a particular note, mm-hmm. you know? On a six-string guitar, there's one note per string, but on a 12-string guitar, there's an extra string with the same note at a different octave, like, to where you'd press both down at the same time. Gotcha. So it just gives it a fuller sound. It's also d- different. So you may not be looking for that sound all the time. Gotcha. but Gotcha whenever you want it you can have a like kind of a fuller experience of the guitar it almost sounds like two guitars playing if you will but one of them is much higher so it's like a normal guitar than like a higher sounding guitar
0: Hmm.
1: does that clear that up for you yeah so if you break a 12 string guitar it takes twice as long to replace all those strings Hmm. yeah so try not to do that okay thank you does that make sense yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) all
1: right question number three um so we use this music analogy and you had you had a lot of insight by the way into the music world. Thank Very you. good. I wanna talk about um a situation we are we all get in and have to deal with at some point and it's a maturing situation, but it's hard to go through and navigate. But when we find that we're revolving ourselves around a broken string or a dysfunctional instrument, like when we realize we're in a toxic relationship is a phrase people use today, but but like we are letting someone else's stuff determine our life in a way either it's at work or in a sibling relationship or even our parents um, how does the christian deal with that like how do we how do we navigate those waters i know every every situation is complicated but what are some some principles to keep in mind as we try to navigate as a christian in that situation
0: yeah that's a good question and you go all day but you know, when I think about the 12 string, I just think, oh, man, it's just very complicated. It's a six string. And I think about the 12 string. I think about like a a garden with a lot of weeds. And I think one of the first things that like we should do, like get and in, in, in be active in, in in with Christ is to like go in into the garden and like remove weeds. Yeah. And we could do that. We can remove a lot of like excess. Like I just don't need this in my life. I don't need this, this and this. And, and this doesn't this is not complicated. I'm just weeding, you know, so get rid of six strings so you can have six, right? Like get rid of the 12 to get down to six and just get rid of strings and like, oh, there's six strings. Okay. Now I'm simplifying it. I'm getting through, I'm weeding the garden. Now I might need help from someone to really nourish this garden and like get the fruit out of it, right? To see what I'm not seeing. So a string's broken or there's some, you know, there's some fungi in my garden, like, like help me to like deal with what fertilizer I need. Where do I need to go? Like, who do I need to see? Who do I need to talk to, to begin to really dissect maybe an area of my life or a pattern that, I, that I just don't know what to do with. Do I need to go to counseling? Do I need to talk to someone. Do I need spiritual direction? Do I need, you know, a retreat? Like, what do, what do I need to do? Do I need some friends that can kind of help me kind of move out of this dysfunctional way of living into another place? So, What I would say is jump in and do the self-work that you can so that you can see a little bit more clearly of what needs to happen next. And a lot of times we just let the weeds grow up in the garden, right? Mm -hmm. We just clutter the – it's just everything's cluttered. But jump in and start to like declutter it and then get some other good friends who see to help you kind of see the next step. Nice. Take control of
1: it. Well, not control of it, but get get more – Active in the situation, yeah. Like do the work you can do, yeah. Love it. All right. Question number four. So we we heard our Lord's uh, evangelization workshop with his disciples, and um, I think for a lot of us, sometimes we don't even know what our actual issue is, where we really need healing. What have you found effective to really do some some looking honestly and in, interiorly? what's effective to help people see things they might not see? You know, they might not know they need healing in certain areas. Like maybe they assume their relationship with their parents is just fine Mm -hmm. and has nothing to do with their prayer life, but yet it does. So what are some kind of, I don't know, thoughts or like ways to get people to see things they they aren't seeing? Uh,
0: Well, I think one is a good examination of conscience. Like find a really good detailed one. And it kind of takes you through an examination of conscience and the Ten Commandments and like just it'll really bring up sort of maybe like areas of your life you continue to fall in, right? And we all know those, but maybe it just kind of helps bring those to the surface and kind of pinpoint that. Yeah, I continue to like really deal with this and this. And then ask yourself some questions like why? Why do I continue to deal with this, this and this? Why does it keep coming up? Why does, why do these, you know, hot button issues continue to surface in my life, you know, And, and I'm fine other times. But when I'm around this person, like what is it, you know? And really kind of begin to ask the question, why? So that you can begin to kind of trace maybe the the area or the place of of uh, brokenness or s- where things got severed, you know, and begin to work on those, begin to work on the healing, the reconciliation, the forgiveness, the whatever it is that that's kind of the underneath there, you know, that uh, the roots of the weeds, like, you know, because if you just pull the top of the weed off, guess what? It's going to keep growing. Right. Mm -hmm. It's going to grow back. You got it. When you weed, you got to pull the the roots out so that it doesn't grow back. That just takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. I mean, you know, you know, I'm still dealing with stuff like in my own life. And like, I think God's patient with us, but you know, the journey forward is more important than like catapulting, Mm -hmm. you know, way, way forward overnight. Like that doesn't happen. It's just the slow journey forward. Nice. Question number five.
1: So we talked about, you know, holy, the holiness of the tree will produce the fruit of evangelization. So how does one actually learn how to pray? Like if I realize maybe I don't really know how to pray. I remember that moment in my life very clearly um, where I realized, wait a minute, maybe I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> so how how does one actually learn
0: to pray? Teach me how to pray. Mm-hmm. Go on a retreat. Uh, I think in, to simplify it, because a lack of time is like, if, if you don't know how to pray with the gospels and to reflect and, and meditate, look up Lectio Divina, which divine reading, learn how to meditate with the scripture and talk to Jesus through the gospel readings. Because learning to have a conversation with the Lord is much more important than learning all the theology of what he's saying, right? We can learn that. That's that's stuff that we can learn. But to learn how to have a conversation, you know, is more difficult. It's a lot easier for my wife and I to do a to-do list for the week. It's a lot harder to say, hey, what's going on? Like, let's take some time. How are you feeling? Like, that just takes more time, right, to learn how to have that depth of conversation. So just learning to have that conversation is extremely important.
1: Wise words, sir. Yeah.
0: All right, question number six. <clears throat> would you be willing or
1: consider i have an idea for a um a show experiment and i want to know right now that's question number six okay. yes or no are you willing to, to to do this shoot it what if we picked a place and a time during the easter season at some point some public setting where you cooked a king's ransom okay, okay just hear me out right. but the only advertising we did about this was on the podcast okay. on the show all right And then we could just see if people actually listen to this thing and show up.
0: Okay. What if they're out Yes or no. Let's do it here, outside the studio. That's a great plan. Okay. We'll do it. In Easter. Me and you together, though. Because this isn't the Paul George show. This is really the Paul and Adam show. I mean, we're in this to win it. We're in this to win it. (laughs) So anyway. Okay. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. And have a good start to your Lent. I think when we talk to you next, we'll be right in the... Not in the middle, but at the beginning. But we'll have started Lent. So... God bless you guys, and we'll talk next week.